This episode is brought to you in part by Zondervan, publisher of The Perilous Fight, Overcoming Our Culture's War on the American Family, written and narrated by retired neurosurgeon and politician Dr. Ben Carson. Available now everywhere you get audiobooks. This month, Apple announced the new Vision Pro headset. But 10 years from now, will we look back and say it changed our life? Can we ever know whether new tech will be a flop or our future? It's all about risky predictions today on Device and Virtue. Hello, welcome back to Device and Virtue, where we argue the wrongs and rights of technology and faith in everyday life. We're coming to you once again from Chicago. I'm Adam. And I'm Chris. Hey, Adam, today we are talking about how can you know if a technology will change your life forever? I don't want any technology to change my life forever. <laughs> of course, I am talking about the brand new Apple Vision Pro. Uh, of headset. course you are. Of course you are. <laughs> the Vision Pro, because we don't want the Vision Amateur. We just want the Vision Pro. Uh, no, the Pro just means it's going to cost more, is what it? <laughs> and it does. Coming in at thirty five hundred dollars, it is a pricey little item. Maybe the most pricey first gen item that Apple has ever released. Although I did see that they had a ten thousand dollar Apple Watch. At yeah, 20. well, that was yeah, yeah. It's just stupid. <laughs> Normally, I would ask you if you even knew this came out because I know you were just probably reading a dork book in the corner, <laughs> like and watching your DVDs that you order. Hey, I like but... books and I like DVDs. <laughs> and normally, they've I changed my life. Watch every annual live Apple event live. I love doing it. It gets on my calendar. I'm usually not even paying attention. I'm like, oh, that happened. But yeah, this year I was on top of it. So WWDC is the worldwide developer convention or conference? Yeah, I don't even know that. I think it's conference. The WWDC and Apple every year announces all the new things they're going to put out that year. Mm. And not everything. They have another time in September. They usually announce iPhones. But in June, they announce what the new things coming up on your that your phone will be able to do. Like this year, they announced just all sorts of little things that you can yeah. drop business cards to each other more easily. Actually, some fun things, but it's a two-hour talk, right? They talk yeah. about the, what's coming to Apple Watch, what's coming to iPhone, what's coming to Mac. And then at the end, Tim Cook stopped on this two-hour event and said, but we have one more thing. <laughs> and that's a famous line, right? Do you okay. know that? I saw reference to it that they had resurrected this homage to one more thing. I didn't know that beforehand. Yeah, Steve Jobs, the original founder of Apple, of course, was famous for using this one more thing line at the <laughs> end of a talk. And it was part of him just being a salesperson. Uh -huh. It's part of the mystique, including the black turtleneck, that made him like the tech apostle of our age, <laughs> like the tech god. And so when Tim Cook will do it, he doesn't do it very often. It's usually a big announcement. Mm -hmm. And this year, right at the end, he said, and one more thing. Right at the end, but it was like... They had another hour on this. So. <laughs> because the one more thing was they've been working on this product for six years. It was called the Apple Vision Pro, which was their version of a headset that you wear like a virtual reality headset, although I'm pretty sure they never said the term virtual reality. Yeah, I think they would say it's a mixed reality headset. Yes. Because it has both virtual reality and augmented reality experiences. So the virtual reality is this immersive world. Augmented reality is seeing virtual things in your physical environment and having it overlaid on whatever actual environment you're in. Yeah. Being able to look at a street corner and maybe it has that little floating dot that says mm -hmm. th it's a grocery store. Or in this case, they're showing you in maybe a workspace or your home and you're seeing a virtual screen that doesn't exist in your physical space. It even has a shadow. They've created shadows for these virtual objects, which I thought was a very Apple sort of little detail to add to increase that sense of realism in the augmented reality. So this has been a pretty highly anticipated release. Like I said, they had worked on it for six years and there was apparently like 4,000 people that worked on this oh, wow. and no one was allowed to talk about it until last week. Yeah. And so they release it. 
people are very divided. Was it dumb? It looks like a big pair of ski goggles. Yep. Those are ski goggles, man. <laughs> I've seen some great TikToks of people doing unwrappings and it's just ski goggles. And this is the question. I, and we can talk more about all the what it looks like and the details. But I think the big question is, does this change the world? <laughs> is this something that was cool? And I'm looking at this going, dang. I have caveats, but I think the Vision Pro could be the thing that in 10 years from now, we go, wow, that was the moment. That was the moment. I just, yeah, I'm super skeptical. (laughs) No surprise there, man. This was not an iPhone moment for me. Oh, I see. Maybe that's an unfair comparison. There are very few iPhone moments. But yeah, I looked at it and I said, do I want to look at photos in a headset? Or do I want to take photos in a headset? Or do I want to watch a movie for $3,500? These were all things that I already do in other ways. Do I need it to be in a virtual reality experience? You're shaking your head a lot over there. I am shaking my head a lot. I'm super skeptical. But again, I think also with caveats. So I will say, I think there are some things about it that are potentially transformative. Let's just talk a little bit more about what the heck the thing actually is and what Apple thinks we'll use it for. So the Apple Vision, I'm glad you brought up the ski goggles because that is the best visual for thinking about what are these. But yeah, totally. they're incredibly high tech in so many ways. They are state of the art. I was very much convinced of that. Like they have innovated and created new things to make this happen. So these are ski goggles, but they have. They would hate that we're saying that, but everyone agrees (laughs) it's exactly what they look like. Well, and I remember when the iPad came out and everybody was like, iPad, that's such a weird name. But now we don't even think about it, right? (laughs) It's true. And so it's become very normalized. We'll probably get very normalized if Apple Vision Pro goes mainstream like you're (laughs) like you're laughing. Like you're laughing about. And I'm uh laughing about. But Yeah, but it has screens that are facing in on your eyes and a screen that is facing out to other people in that visual space. And then it has over 20 sensors on it. It has 12 cameras, five sensors, and six microphones, all to gauge the space around you. And then it has the LiDAR sensor, which is almost like a radar, invisible radar that can tell where objects are in a room. They're using that on self-driving vehicles, all that stuff. And then for each eye is essentially your own TV screen for each eye. Yeah, four, a, a 4K, 4K for each eye. For yeah. each eye. And it's it's probably the size of a postage stamp, maybe a little bit bigger. Do we know what postage stamps are? <laughs> Am I talking to the wrong crowd here? But I yeah. We're old enough to know it, although I haven't used one in about a decade. <laughs> I keep my postage stamps where I keep my checkbook. <laughs> They're in the same place. But yeah, TV screens the size of a postage stamp that are in 4K, high definition, you can't tell the difference between reality and what you're looking at on a screen. Yeah, so. because it can create like an IMAX level movie screen right in right. front of your eye, right. right? Yeah. And so those are inward facing, but there's also a screen that's facing out through the goggles so that if you're looking at someone, you're seeing their eyes. Well, wait, because when I first was looking at this, they're showing this and it looked like ski goggles, but like with glass on the front right. and that you could see people's face inside the glass. So it looked a little dumb, like you're wearing goggles or maybe an inch thick. I think the thing weighs less than a pound. But when you look at the front, really beautiful curved glass, and you could see someone's face in there. And I was like, oh, this really is, you know, how we call augmented reality. Like you're looking through some glass. Somehow they figured out how to project things onto the glass and we're going to do this. But then I realized it took me 20 minutes watching this presentation as they're showing us demos. They're showing us these examples of a guy in an office using it and then a girl in a living room using it. And you saw everyone's eyes and blinking and looking around the room and they're like, it doesn't cut you off from your environment. But then you realized it does cut you off from (laughs) my environment. That's not glass. Your eye, you are blacked out on the inside of that thing. Yes. And what they did was add what you're saying, right? another display on the outside of this thing that creepily reproduces your eyes oh. on the outside, right? Creepily. That was an interesting word. <laughs> Feels uncanny, huh? Reproduces your eyes on the other side of the thing to make it look like people yeah. can see through. But it's not actually seeing through. Yeah. So if you have seen other VR goggles, whether it's from Facebook or Microsoft, whatever, those have you completely enclosed. This is actually no different. They've just created another screen that faces out for other people. 
Which makes it look like it's not enclosed, but it is. Yeah. But it, otherwise, it seals out light completely, they're yeah. saying. And actually, yeah. you, you stuff your head in that, like putting a pillow on your face, you know? <laughs> but it's got a really nice soft headband. And if you wear glasses, you can slip little lenses in there, and it's supposed to adjust for that. It's got speakers by your ears or something mm-hmm. that like do surround right. sound. It's got the whole headset situation. Yeah. Well, and you mentioned that there were a couple examples that they used of a guy in an office, yeah. like in an office in person. Who does that anymore? Yeah. Working from home. <laughs> right, no, right. people in an office using a headset, and he has a clear desk. He's like at a standing desk in a, like, a loft space. Right, 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 right. And he has just a panorama of screens, but they're all virtual screens. Yeah, like I sell on one screen and PowerPoint on the other or whatever, and it looks mm-hmm. like you're doing your business things, but they're like yeah. screens floating in virtual reality. Yeah. 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 And then did you hear that they mentioned the magic keyboard and the magic trackpad? Oh, I forgot. And there's another thing that we haven't mentioned yet is there are no handheld controllers. With Oculus, you have these controllers that you use that are sort of like ski poles, but you don't have the poles. You just have the handles. Apple has completely done away with that, and they are tracking your hand movements. And anytime you pinch with your fingers, with your thumb and your forefinger, pointer finger, is that your forefinger? So that's the same thing, right? <laughs> now, now I'm looking at my hand trying to do it. That's the way to select. So it tracks your eye movement to what you're looking at, yeah. and then you select it by just t- tapping your fingers together. It's like a click of the mouse is tapping your two fingers. Yeah. And so it's using this magic trackpad to do the same thing. It's using the magic keyboard to do the same thing. So you don't even need a real keyboard. You can just have a virtual workspace. It can tell how you're moving your fingers and take yeah. the input from there. Yeah. I don't know how that's going to work, but maybe that'll work. They said that these, like you talked about how many cameras on the outside. Yeah, like 12. The testers that we've been listening to, the tech nerds, have said that the resolution, you know, there's an extra chip in this thing, an extra processor called the R2, they're calling it. That is the whole key to having no latency. They say no time delay. So if everything feels real time, it can actually see where your hand is. Yeah. Remember Minority Report we talked about last time? <laughs> the movie where Tom Cruise in it? And I was like, I love the computer displays where he just raises his hands and mm. swipes things around with his hands. This yeah. is what this is this doing. Is what this is. Instead of you having a mouse or some other device in your hand, it's just going to use your hand. Yeah. 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 So that was one example in your workspace. The other one was at home, on your couch, in your living room. Yeah. In one case, you're in your bedroom, but you're generally in your living room and you're watching a show on this headset. Yeah. Or maybe you're scrolling through old photos, reliving past memories, longing for the good old days. And it's these entertainment experiences, essentially. And like you could maybe scroll the internet. They didn't really show that, but that would be an option. And then obviously Zoom. Yeah, they had a Zoom example of a woman on a work trip taking a call in a hotel room. And instead of doing it on a phone or something, Mm -hmm. she is using the headset to see it big. What I found interesting with all these examples is they were still all screens of a kind. It was projecting virtual screens. How smart, interesting. Right? Yeah. And so it's all these two-dimensional screens. In three-dimensional space. In a three-dimensional space. Even the people in the Zoom call were on a screen. Yeah. And they were just spaced out in a less Brady Bunch sort of way. So, it's, And this is going to be a nerd reference, but it's like a Star Trek screen versus a Star Wars conversation. Do you remember, anyone remember this? <laughs> if you're a nerd, you understand that like Star Trek, John Luke Picard on the Enterprise Mm-hmm. is looking at this huge screen on the front of the ship and okay. he talks to like oh, other right, aliens. Right, right, like, right. They, do, they FaceTime aliens. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Star Wars, which is an older 70s yeah. and obviously because later always had these 3D the holographic. Yeah. Darth Vader appears as a person in front of you and yes. you talk to yes. Darth Sidious. Or Obi-Wan whoever. Kenobi, you're my only hope. Yeah, right. yeah. yeah. Well, that's yeah, the OG of this. I think that, but that was always a 3D model. Mm-hmm. You're saying that this mm-hmm. is really copying the Star Trek side, yeah. which is even though you were in a 3D space, it's projecting like a 2D screen, right. which is a choice. Well, it's a choice. I think, is it a bridge? So, I mean, think about it. We've spent the last 500 years taking three-dimensional things and turning them into two dimensions yeah. with print, essentially, and television, Yeah. right? Right. And so we have a 500-year history of two dimensions. Yeah. And now we're in this moment with spatial computing and we're like, okay, how can we make all these two-dimensional things into 3D again? Right. Which is kind of funny, right? But I think, is this a bridge? We're trying to go from what we know currently to this future 3D space that we aren't really familiar with in the same way. Well, and that leads to the third thing that they talked about, the office examples. They talked about the entertainment examples. 
And they talked about it as a content capture device, like a right. video camera that's taking those 3D videos. Because what they're going to say, I think, is we, the reason why we, don't, we aren't doing the Star Wars holograms is because we don't have the right kind of cameras for that. There's okay. a, some, certain companies, you and I have probably seen that, do this in select mm. spaces. You can walk in and yeah. they'll demo this hologram yeah. camera thing. But you'd have to have all that set up. And of course, no sure, one has sure, that in their sure. house. So with this new headset, you know, they showed this really, people hated this sort of this dad playing with his kids and he starts taking a video of them because they're playing like in the living room. Yeah, people were hating it's cute. But And he touches a button on the headset, on the ski goggles, and he's like looking at them and it's supposedly using this cool array of eight cameras to take a 3D video that you could play back later and it's in 3D, not just this 2D. But just the act of taking the video yeah. looks so freaking weird. Everyone's like, worst dad of the year. You know what I mean? Just like, <laughs> dad takes 3D videos uh-huh. because he like never talks to his kids, you know? Well, I'm even thinking back to all those childhood Christmases where your dad is behind the video camera the whole time. And uh, you're yeah. like opening all the gifts. But dad wasn't really there because he was on the video camera the whole time. And so you're maybe experiencing it through dad's vision and now i imagine some parent sitting at christmas with his 3d headset videoing the whole thing but in the word that came to mind for me was like surveillance like it feels like he's surveilling his children not just like experiencing it with them okay but i'll point out now and i know we're going to get into this as we go here someone probably a number of years ago holding up their phone with a camera aimed at something probably felt really weird and self-conscious yes, and yes, surveilling. Yes. And now it's like, oh, that's normative. what you do. Yeah. yeah. Like uh, yeah. people wave at the phone and keep going. Mm-hmm. The norms or that sense of privacy, we've talked about this a lot. When we feel that weird sense of that privacy violation, it's often a violation of our own internal and cultural senses mm-hmm. and But I think those internal and cultural senses have validity, too. Let's not just say that they're culturally constructed, therefore don't matter. No, but they are constructed. Like, they're absolutely constructed. Yeah, but that doesn't doesn't negate their validity. No, but what it does do is I think it becomes normal, and then we no longer think that thing that we thought that it was so weird. All right, we may have to disagree (laughs) about this, because I think there are bodily norms that are entirely normative and the norming norm. So we can go on about that. Maybe not everyone really cares about the specs of this thing or what it does, although go watch a video because it's fun. But I still think despite all the weirdnesses of this thing, you might be in trouble in 10 (laughs) years because you're going to go back and listen to this and go, oh, I was a little bit of a fool. I didn't understand what this is going to be. So I want to keep on pressing that. But before we do that, Apple is hardly the first company to have done what it's done. Let's talk about the other big giant in the room, Meta. Yeah, so you'll remember that in November 2021, Meta had a big keynote where they changed their name from Facebook to Meta. Yeah. And they were diving in and they were saying the metaverse is where the world is headed. And we're going to lead the way with our Oculus headset. And this space is called the metaverse. Yeah, which was not a name that they started because that came from sci-fi. But they essentially stole because they changed their name to Meta. (laughs) Yeah, they were appropriating that term and they were introducing the world at large to this concept of the metaverse, this world where the internet suddenly has three dimensions, not just two, and people are living in that space. And they were imagining that you would have an avatar, this kind of profile-oriented space where you have an identity, but it's a body of some kind. Yeah. And you're inhabiting the metaverse, right? Yeah. And so they cast this vision, and I think they already had the headsets out at this point. Yeah, I mean, but they've had several iterations. I think it used to be the Oculus. I think we're just they're up to like the Quest Pro is the newest one right yeah. now. But yeah. yeah, as opposed to the Quest Amateur. Yeah. 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 So you know that's in the background here a little bit. But you and I both noticed as we were live tweeting about this that Apple never used the word avatar and they never used the word metaverse. Absolutely not. And I think there are at least two reasons. One, like I just said, now it's a branded name. So every other competitor, whether Google or Apple or someone we've never heard of, is not going to want to use the word metaverse anymore because it sounds like meta. So there's going to be another neutral word for this that Mm -hmm. comes up. I don't know if we have it. And words die quickly, like cyberspace, like what? (laughs) Like (laughs) We use them for a few years and then we'll move on. But I think the bigger reason is that Apple has a history of bringing things that the nerds have been doing for a number of years okay. to like to my mom. <laughs> 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 you, know, 
you know, not right away. And you and I, maybe not in the first generation, but right? Do you yeah. know what I'm saying? I feel like they are like, the metaverse has been the world of the sci-fi nerds and the gamers. Mm-hmm. And Facebook has those people, but mm-hmm. I think probably a lot of people that listen to you and me argue haven't ever used one of those Oculus Quest. Right. Have you even? I've yeah. done it. Yeah, but- I have. I used one, but honestly, it was like 30 minutes and I was playing a game. Yeah, um, it's like gaming. It's, it's not... But it, it was super cool. Like, it is super immersive. You're fully there. Right. What differences did you notice? Yeah, I think the big difference is Apple did not present it as a unreal space or a social space very much. It was a much more conservative presentation than Facebook's, Meta's, Mark Zuckerberg's, whatever you want to say. <laughs> they were imagining these kind of animated places that you would go. And Apple is imagining that you're going to surround yourself with a real picture of space or mountains or whatever. But they were very much wanting to ground it in, quote unquote, real world that we live in. Yeah, it was like the animated version of Aladdin versus the live action version of Aladdin. Sure. (laughs) (laughs) Apple was doing the live action version of everything. Real people, real surroundings. Yeah. Facebook Meta was doing this sort of everyone is a little bit of cartoonish. Mm-hmm. You can change mm-hmm. your cartoon clothes and you mm-hmm. can live in a cartoon world. Even if there's a picture of beautiful mountains on the wall. You're a Barbie girl cons- living in a Barbie world. <laughs> <That's true. laughs> I mean, please email us if you'd like Adam to sing that. <laughs> no, you can support <laughs> us on Patreon and then I will do it. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, people asked big tech leaders this last week. Are, again, our apostles and our prophets of our age of the technology <laughs> world. People ask Mark Zuckerberg, what do you thought about this new okay. Apple Pro, right? Yeah, what did he say? In his first thing, I have found a little quote. He says, our vision for the metaverse, and he's, of course, going to use that word, and presence, you know I like that yes, word, yes. is fundamentally social. Right. It's all about people interacting mm-hmm. in new ways and feeling mm-hmm. closer in new ways. So he's talking about people these are devices about being active and doing things. He's like Apple had a vision of the future of computing of people sitting by themselves. Yeah. yeah. Which is not entirely true, but a lot of true. There was a girl on a couch by herself. There's a guy at the desk by himself. Yeah. And so he's like, our thing is social and theirs isn't, which was a pretty big charge, right? And Facebook yeah. is a social media company. Right. Yes. It's very much Facebook is, you know, marking their territory. But I do think he has an edge here and a legitimate criticism or critique of the way Apple presented it. Because I do think we want our technology and our tools to connect us. Facebook, whether they do that well or poorly can be argued, but like their desire and goal, I am on board with. Yeah. Here's where I think he's saying the right things, but getting it all wrong. If you remember this demo and people, they can go listen to that. We did record that episode a year and a half ago, but he had some people hanging out as friends wearing these headsets and one looked like a cartoon octopus, (laughs) right? you know, and someone else looked like superhero powers. Yeah. And it was fun, but it was very toy. Yeah. It was very, let's play around and be playful. He's accusing Apple of not connecting socially Mm -hmm. but apple's examples were like a dad sitting in the kitchen and then someone walks in and he interacts with the person in the room yes with him while wearing the headset yes and what they were trying to show us is you're connected with the people in your life Mm -hmm. and in that contrast i think they were projecting us to of course what we say around here an environmental sense of how this will be normal in your daily life versus facebook's vision of a connected online world that almost feels separate from the yeah. irl world yeah 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 so you have those kind of two competing visions and they both have validity we live in an online space and connect virtually digitally text messaging emails social platforms all the time and so that is a part of our life we're familiar with that but yes at the same time we want to be connected with the people who are right in front of us as well and so both have valid viewpoints another thing that i noticed in contrast was facebook talked a lot about interoperability of their platform so okay. they wanted they yeah, wanted you sure. to be able to cross from different platforms and use different headsets and blah 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 So it's very like democratic, so to speak. Apple said, when you put on the headset, it's going to be a very familiar world where all of your apps from your phone and from your Mac are already there and they're integrated into the environment. And I've heard people say that Mac is Catholic and PCs are Protestant. Okay, wow. Where Apple has a very top-down, enclosed approach. PC is very open, et cetera, et cetera. 
And that kind of comes through here, right? Yeah, like right. Th- they didn't talk about interoperability. They said, you're in the Apple world, you're in the Apple app store, and everything happens in this app store. And naturally, there are kind of places where that leaks, like you're on Zoom and you can interact with people who are on other platforms. But again, that's just an interesting contrast in how they're presenting their products and what the world is like if we go in the Apple direction versus the meta direction. Yeah. Well, and that just fits the philosophy in the way that you're saying both companies have worked till now. Yeah. But regardless, both of these visions... I'm still super skeptical that either vision is going to come to fruition, that we're going to be immersed in an interoperable metaverse, or that we're going to be locked into this augmented reality vision that Apple Vision Pro has. I just, I don't know that I can see it being widespread and adopted broadly to the point that this will become normal. (laughs) Folks can't see it, but you closed your eyes while you said that. (laughs) going into your internal world, just like you're wearing goggles. <laughs> I think that you don't get how much these kind of announcements can actually change the entire culture. I think this announcement has potential to be something that we look back on a decade from now and go, that was the start of a whole new way we live, whether or not we like that vision <laughs> or that vision pro. <laughs> and that got me thinking about the last time many years ago that a brand new tech came out and people thought this isn't really a big deal Mm. but it actually was this episode is brought to you by shopify forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to shopify the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Okay, Adam, do you remember where you were in the summer of 2007? (laughs) 16 years ago. Oh, man. I was living in Lombard, Illinois. Oh, yeah. (laughs) The seminary campus. On the campus of Northern Seminary with my buddy who was going to seminary. I was just mooching at that point. But yeah. (laughs) I was also living on seminary campus. Oh, really? But now, yeah, in the city. You were in the suburbs. I was in seminary. Really? We were like maybe 30 miles apart and we didn't know each other. other. In a city of 10 million, how could we have not known each other? (laughs) And where I was, of course, studying like theology and technology. Right. And that summer, specifically on June 29th, 2007, there was a big (laughs) tech announcement. Do you remember what it was? I mean, I can guess. It was Steve Jobs, back of Apple. He had his black turtleneck on. And I wonder if he said one more thing. I don't know. (laughs) But what he announced was the very first iPhone. It was iPhone version one. Yeah. And it was a highly anticipated announcement, a little bit like the people that were paying attention to these goggle things. Like people have been talking about that Apple's going to do this for years. This one they had been talking about. No one was quite sure what it would be called, how it would work. He stood up and said, I'm going to announce a new iPod. And we all knew what an iPod was because we played, right? We played music. But it's, but it's also a phone. Right. Everyone's like in the crowd gasped. I remember this. Like everyone's because they knew suddenly it wasn't just an iPod. It yeah. was a whole new thing. Yeah. And it's, and it's also, I think the phrase was a revolutionary internet communications device. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think someone will correct me on that because that might not, I don't have it in front of me, but he said something like this. Yes. And he said, an iPod, an iPhone an internet communications device. And then he said it faster, an iPod, a phone, an internet communications device. And then the icons on the screen swirled together, smashed into one, and we had yeah. the iPhone. Yeah. And everyone was like, whoa. It was a brilliant reveal. <laughs> it was really, really good. And Apple was making a phone. This is not how we thought about Apple at that time. We had Nokias and Blackberries at yeah. the time. Yeah. He proceeded to demonstrate something that looked really cool. Mm-hmm. Probably the one of the most cool things was like the way it did photos. It had that pinch to zoom, like it, right. where you touched your fingers together Ooh, on the screen. Spread them out. Does that sound familiar? And could spread them out or move it in. No one had really done that yet. And mm. that seemed mm. like a cool new way. But other than that, I'm going to tell you, reviewers were very mixed. Yeah, that's interesting. And not even just mixed. Some thought this thing was a huge dub because he was like, this is going to cost 
$500. And everyone's like, you're kidding. Phones are supposed to cost $99. Yeah. And five times the amount of the phone, no one is going to buy this. Right, right. Literally the head of Microsoft at the time, it was a guy named Steve Ballmer. He was like, I have found a quote. There is no chance that the iPhone is going to get any significant market share. No oh, chance. Right? Wow. And he was saying, we have, like they were working with Motorola at the time. He's like, which does internet does music, like this is a stupid device. It's too expensive and it doesn't do anything. The head of BlackBerry was like, no, I don't think this is a big change for BlackBerry. I mean, come on though. <laughs> Both of these guys have vested incentives to not root for Apple. They do. But there was also tech journalists that just said, this is dumb and it's not going anywhere. I submit this as court exhibit A <laughs> for uh, people that have blown off. For the naysayers <laughs> like myself. <laughs> a technology that they think is overblown, not really going to cut it. They yep. can't imagine exactly how it would be used. Yeah. They think a few things are cool, but they go, but it's overpriced. It doesn't do enough. And people really wouldn't use this in daily life. Yeah, man. 16 years later, the iPhone dominates the world and has changed how right. we live. And we all spend hundreds of dollars on a new phone. Yeah, a lot more than 500 bucks. Whenever usually. we have to. <laughs> My yeah. question for you is not why you're wrong, <laughs> but it's actually, why do you think it is so hard for people to predict whether a technology will really have a huge life impact in the future? You know, I've rewatched that iPhone announcement, and at this point, they didn't even have the App Store. No, that, so was, that wasn't there. Created, I think that was in second or third generation it iPhone. Was, the phone worked on 2G, <laughs> which didn't really yeah. let you down. Even download images and stuff was very slow. Yeah, but I look at that and I think Steve Jobs understood he was bringing together three things that had previously been separate. Okay. The internet, the phone, and the iPod. Music, communication, and information. And now I look at this Apple Vision Pro and I say, what is it bringing together that was formerly separate. Maybe that's not the only way to sort of okay. slice it. And I don't think I have a good answer. And I think that makes me mm. more skeptical because I don't see it bringing together. I mean, maybe it brings together a more intuitive physical interface where it's tracking my eye movement and it's tracking my hand movement. And I don't have to. You're not use, holding joysticks. I don't use joysticks, like right? Like a dork. Yeah. <laughs> and so that's one thing. But then. Using it as a camera or video, not hugely innovative. Using it as an entertainment device, not hugely innovative. I can buy a $3,500 television and we can all watch it. Right. Or, which is a huge point. Or yeah. a family of five can buy five $3,500 things <laughs> yeah, and yeah, maybe yeah. we can watch it together. Yeah, I don't yeah. know. So I'm not seeing it bringing together things that were like, oh, yeah, we just naturally need those things to be together. And I just need it all in one space and it simplifies my life. I think the analysis is a good starting point. I think you're taking the bait and hook of Steve Jobs, who was a good salesperson, and showed those three things on the screen sure. and showed them combining. But the Microsoft head was right. We already had things that surfed the internet that were a phone and did music. Those devices were out from other carriers, from Palm, from Microsoft, from things. So the difference... It was the interface is what you're saying. Yeah. Okay. I'm saying that actually there was misdirection here. He says that we're combining these things, but he's saying that for the general audience, not the nerd audience. They hadn't done that as much. And then the reason why he can say it to a general audience is because Apple thinks of these high-resolution human interfaces that mm -hmm. make technology more human. Mm -hmm. The pinch and zoom on the yep. iPhone is the example that we still remember, and everyone does it. Yep. They had it patented for a little while, I think. Okay. Like, we even had touchscreens on phones, but the touchscreens didn't operate with that natural hand yeah. movement, the flick yeah. up and down. And even when you scrolled, I think Apple, someone correct me if I'm wrong, was the first one to do it. So it kept going a little bit. It coasted mm, as yes. you touched it. Right, right. Which felt like you were just, that didn't even have a paper-like analogy to it. It just felt more natural to flick your phone <laughs> up or flick your finger down in the content moved. Yeah, yeah. Apple did it in this way that was superhuman. All the right. reviewer, you and I have not tried on one of these Vision Pros. Because no one has yet, except for yeah. a very select few of journalists that got invited to do this thing. Correct. And they we're in a 30-minute controlled environment. They only were allowed to do a little bit of thing. But the one thing that I heard some of the top journalists saying is that 
everything felt so natural. Yeah. Like they said, we've tried Facebook things, but it felt like dorky. You had to go through menus. Mm-hmm. There was so mm-hmm. Apple's thing you just put on and load up. Right. When someone started talking to you across the room, a ton of technology happened. It located that person, grabbed the video of them, but then just faded them up in your view. So yeah. you didn't have to do anything, click on anything. They talked to you and then it faded back down. Well, and the eye tracking where if I'm looking at that icon on the screen and then I just tap my fingers together, it selects that item. And that's a very natural, intuitive, if I'm looking at it and I grab it, that's what I do naturally. And that's the experience here as well. So again, it's in the same way that we used our hands, now we're using our eyes to navigate the environment, navigate the space. I'm supporting your point here, Chris, is the point. Yeah, I think the natural finger tracking, the natural eye tracking, this attending to the way people could be in the room with Mm -hmm. you, even though we make fun of it, I think the natural humanness is what Apple has shown it can do. Mm -hmm. Launch a product, but not by actually making a new product, but by making a rough product so good that it feels human. It crosses some sort of line for us. Marshall McLuhan, you know, I got it. The scholar of technology and communications in the 60s used to talk about TV as being a cold medium because it, for him, the TVs of the day were very low resolution they just were sort of grainy and weren't that good. Right. I'm positive Marshall McLuhan would reanalyze the TV now. An HD TV is a completely different experience yeah. using his theories of the way the senses work and the way we get absorbed into it. Right. He would consider it a hot medium. Mm-hmm. Even though in his book, he says a TV is a cold medium. But the difference was the technology changed and it just got better. It went from low resolution to high resolution. Front went from almost cartoonish where you could imagine into it to so real you can barely handle it mm-hmm. with a 4K display in Best Buy in your face. And this is one of those things that Apple does. It makes it really human with the interface, but it also makes it really good. And suddenly I feel like I'm in a different experience. Mm-hmm. I will concede your point about how natural they've made it and how much innovation goes into that reality. They've brought all of those things together in this device. And I'm going to suggest that it's not this device where those innovations will stay, that those innovations are actually going to expand maybe outside of Apple, but definitely into the ways that we interact with our devices in general, potentially. And that will be how those innovations become widespread. So it's not located in this singular device but it's actually distributed across lots of different devices. Well, yeah, because now you're stealing my point. Dang it. Oh, man, I'm sorry. I didn't know. (laughs) Oh, he thought ahead. (laughs) Yeah, like going back to that big question of we're like, how do we know if something's going to change our life? Right. Something big, an iPhone moment, and is this thing this? Right. One of the points is that we get caught in the localness of the thing that's happening. Yes. And we don't see the roadmap. Apple itself has said, this isn't what we want. Mm. Tim Cook has said it's glasses. The ultimate reality is it's got to be lightweight glasses that you right. wear on your face. Right. That's... Right. So we're going from virtual reality to ultimate reality. But we don't actually have that technology yet. Yeah, right. <laughs> but we don't have that technology yet, but this is a significant first step Absolutely. in getting there. So if we're thinking, any of us, from just thinking people to even pastors to other people, one thing when we think about tech, if we make a quick judgment about it, is not just to think about what it is now, but what it could be. Yeah. Like, where do the component pieces not just of the technology itself, but also the affordances that are being mm-hmm. happening. Affordances mm-hmm. being the mm-hmm. term that I know you like to use a lot, but philosophers of technology will use for things you can do. Yeah, like right. A doorknob is an affordance on a door. Yeah. It lets you know that you can go through that door, right? right. That's yeah. an affordance. Yeah. This is starting to give us affordances that are not what it would be, but will make the doorknob later mm-hmm. look more normal mm-hmm. to us. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And I'll give you another example. So Willis Carrier invented air conditioning. Oh, interesting. In like the late 1800s, early 1900s. He invented it in order to keep printing paper from expanding because the humidity, he was actually trying to control the humidity, right? Oh, okay. So he controls the humidity. It keeps the paper from expanding because expanded paper would get caught and gum up the works. So he's doing it for this very specific localized event, right? But then eventually we're like, oh man, air conditioning is actually really nice for keeping meat cold and keeping us cool. And then eventually now you have large cloud computing warehouses that are kept cool by air conditioning. Yeah. And without Willis Carrier, 
we don't have cloud computing, right? Yeah, that's interesting. And so this very localized thing right. becomes very expanded in lots of different directions. And I completely agree that, you know, what Apple is doing has the potential for that sort of influence down the road. Yeah, and we can do some component parts. That's a really good example of a technology that you would not have thought is related actually made something possible. Mm -hmm. We can do that with the headset too, or analyze any other technology. For instance, the eye tracking. Yeah on this thing everyone says is the best anyone's ever seen so it like knows down to the minute second of what you're lurking at right. and reviewers said it was uncanny like it you could look at an icon and open an app with your eyes and it worked like mm -hmm. it wasn't bouncing around mm -hmm. it wasn't and people have tried this mm -hmm. but that technology is a combination of hardware and software mm -hmm. and ai maybe i mm -hmm. don't know they haven't they haven't told us how it's working what if that technology is in a lot of other things mm -hmm. like your fridge like what food you look at. <laughs> I'm not kidding. Or the way we walk into our houses, the way we select a lot of interfaces. Mm -hmm. Google CEO got interviewed this week about the Pro. And they're like, why haven't you released a headset? Facebook's <laughs> released a headset. Apple's released a headset. Are you going to release? And he's no, not right now. But we know that the future of interfaces is not smartphones. Huh. are not the black things in it. He's like, we are planning for that not to be the future yeah, of the yeah. way they're interfaced, that there will be a more natural way of interfacing. Yeah, that's interesting. I don't know if I totally buy it, but I... I don't know. I'm pulling this example out of my hat, uh, like, but I'm like, the eye tracking could be one thing that we discover this, that conversation mm -hmm. 10 years from now mm -hmm. is not about ski goggles. Yeah. That becomes the part we forgot about. That what becomes the part is the natural human interfaces of maybe touching our fingers together and glancing at things becomes mm -hmm. the way we do everything. Maybe check out at the store. <laughs> the, it really changes things. Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah, I understand what you're saying. One thing I really appreciated about what Apple was doing, and you're going to love this, I think. They made a point to say, your eye tracking doesn't leave your device. Yeah, It all stays on the device. It's all managed on the device. And the only information that leaves the device in this particular space is when you quote unquote click on something yeah when you what are we going to call it it's not tapping it's not clicking when you pinch your fingers together. select is the actual the official interface word yeah but they were very much reminding us of their kind of privacy position because if this eye tracking software becomes ubiquitous like you're imagining we need to have a precedent like this that isn't just tracking our eyes anywhere all the time and sending that data somewhere when we did the Metaverse episode, we mentioned Minority Report and how in Minority Report, Tom Cruise is like walking past a advertisement and it like scans his eyes and it says, hey, Tom Cruise, do you need this device? Wait, you... we mentioned that in the Metaverse episode? Yeah, yeah. Oh, absolutely. I didn't know we've come back to that movie. <laughs> oh, we've come back to that movie multiple times. Okay, yeah. I guess I didn't realize um, that it's my favorite movie. But again, that's... So yeah. Some of the privacy stuff there. I think right. Apple... The eye scans for advertisement. They're saying we're not going to do that. Yeah. And Apple is being proactive. Maybe you could say innovative in choosing to manage our privacy in that way. And I think props to them for that. I have a few other quick pointers on like, if we are thinking now, if a thinking person, a pastor, a leader is trying to think now, is this tech affecting us? Like things to watch out for. And at least one of the ones we talked about is the future doesn't look like the same form factor necessarily as what we're seeing now. I think two other like things that I thought of is we can get very focused on the thingness of the tech. And maybe this is the same point, but the type of chip, this is an M2 chip, the amount of memory it has, the 4K screens are the way we talk about technologies at the beginning. We describe them using mm -hmm. components. Right. Those are in those toy and tool stage. Okay. Levels of tech, and I, when we get environmental, we stop really paying attention to things like specs. So that thing is we stop looking at the tech and we start looking through the tech, which, mm -hmm. by the way, <laughs> is a phrase that Apple used about this yeah. Vision Pro. Did you yes. notice that? Yeah, I totally noticed it. Wrote it down. Yeah, the, the first technology you look through, not at. Yes. My mind got blown because, <laughs> one, Marshall McLuhan has also used a similar phrase. But it also went with this point of as we get used to a tech, we start looking through it and not mm -hmm. seeing it, mm -hmm. even mm -hmm. though it's one of our lenses. Which is a bit of a misdirection because you thought for the first 20 minutes that you were actually looking through these ski goggles and the eyes that people were seeing were your actual eyes. 
They're not. They're a projection of your eyes. And so getting back to the thing you're thinking now about the tech specs of that. Yeah, but I'm thinking about all the technical decisions they're making. Even you mentioned when someone starts speaking and it grabs their video footage and presents it on your screen. That is a design choice that they've made. Yeah. Yes, it feels natural. Yes, they've done a great job at making that kind of feel intuitive. But again, it's still a design choice that someone made. So we're not looking through these goggles. We're looking through a highly technical, highly designed, highly regulated, highly intended way of looking at the world by Apple's designers. And so for us to only look through and not look at actually impairs us from seeing what's actually going on. And so we can certainly, yes, they want us to just look through it. And that's what's going to feel natural. And they want to make it as natural as possible so that we don't see what's happening. I think, well, that's funny. I think that I am arguing the, uh, not the opposite, but I think you are conflating the way that marketing, you're saying focus on the thing that's in front of you. Maybe don't look through it. Don't make it invisible. But my point is you can't actually see what's really happening unless you get to the invisible part. And, And actually it's red herring. It's the meat. Uh, for the robber, that's a. Mm, I don't know if I agree with that, um, but okay. To focus on the device itself, I think uh, we have to we, do both. That we miss the wider effect. I completely agree with you, and I completely agree with me. <laughs> I think we do. We need to look at both because the design choices are the affordances that you mentioned earlier. Yeah. Yeah. Like they're affording us those opportunities and those abilities because they've made that choice to allow us to do that, and we need to recognize both the design decisions that are being made and I agree, look through it and recognize there are going to be wider, broader cultural influences and impacts that come as a result of that as well. And I agree. But on that affordance point, and this is the last thing I'll say on this, I made an example earlier of the door and the doorknob. It's a classic example of affordances, right? Like there's a doorknob, we can see that the door opens, right? Even without opening the door, I look across the room and go, that's a door that opens. And when I go up to it, I can turn the knob and go out. With these things like the Vision Pro and even an iPhone, you have to drive them for a while to switch metaphors. You have to be driving for a while to see what it can do. You can't be parked. Like it doesn't work to sit parked in the car and go, man, this thing handles really well. (laughs) Like you actually have to start moving. And one of the reasons is because these iPhones and these Vision Pros, the tech we have now are not like a door. A door is like like a single use app. It does this one thing, whereas these smartphone and vision pro are like platforms and the affordances are soft affordances or they're things that can be tacked on and added on. The reason why the smartphone is integral to our life now is because it's how we ask what's for dinner at home or how we go grocery shopping Mm -hmm. or how we get from one place to another. It's not these thin ideas that we thought at first of what the phone could do. Like Mm -hmm. we saw a phone radio. So we thought we can talk on the phone. Mm-hmm. And so in this case, the use cases were like, you can have multiple screens in your desk. And people were like, I can already have multiple screens on my desk. And it's, you can watch a movie in your living room. And everyone's like, you'd want to watch a movie with other people, wouldn't you? And it's like, oh. yeah, probably true. Yeah. And they're like, that's dumb. If that's what this can do, it's not that great. And the thing is, this is a platform, not an app. And the affordances yes. are going to come out over time. And that's why when we're evaluating tech, why it's so hard, even for the experts to see, the doorknobs are all over the place and we don't know where they're going to go yet. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I do agree with what you're saying. What it's doing is not necessarily what it will do. Yep. So the pictures they showed us were entertainment and work and a little bit of gaming. But what it will do might go well beyond that. And I think things that I didn't see were like creativity. So I didn't see like people yep. being creative with it. I saw them consuming stuff. I saw them sort of producing stuff. Yeah. But I didn't really see them creating stuff. I think that's a big miss. And then I didn't see them learning stuff. Now, I think that could be connected to entertainment. They showed a dinosaur at one point that's maybe this is you learning about dinosaurs. But they didn't show a lot of that. Is it Jurassic Park? Is it a museum? Is it both? Yeah. Yeah. And so the brilliance that Steve Jobs have of saying, we're going to do these three things And it's going to be an intuitive interface to do those things. Yes, Apple's delivered on that a little bit, but they didn't show me like, we're going to bring entertainment work and creativity together and it's going to be amazing. Yeah, I get it. I get that 
you're not seeing the vision of it. I get that you're stuck in the sand. It's fine. No. <laughs> I'm kidding. No, I'm kidding. Bro. I'm kidding. Um, but I think this is why it's hard. You haven't seen those things coming together. But we are in this invisible setup mm-hmm. where even though we follow all this, it's very hard to prognosticate. Yeah. And I think Apple was wise. This isn't coming out till next year, till 2024. But they're doing that because they want the creativity of designers to come to bear and create apps, create experiences that they aren't creating themselves so that when it lands in 2024, people are like, oh, I cannot just consume. I cannot just produce. I could be creative in this way or that way. Yeah. So I think the developers are going to help sell it in some way if the affordances are right and they can leverage those in creative new directions and open new doors literally with those doorknobs <laughs> gosh now we've already talked all about this and we haven't gotten to reflect on the spiritual formation implications mm. the ethics the other things we like to get into <laughs> here there's probably a lot but one thing i was thinking about is their emphasis on the eyes that pass through eyesight thing yeah. that we've gone back to several times It just was an interestingly spiritual choice. We say human, but also spiritual choice to be like, A, the eyes, what's the thing Mm. that we can do with these goggles Mm. that somehow makes people feel more relational? You said Facebook got more relational by being a social media company. And I argued that actually Apple is trying to be relational by paying attention to the IRL people. Mm -hmm. And the way they did it, as creepy as it is, by putting your eyes on the outside of the thing. So people feel like they are seen. Yeah. The whole point, you don't even see it while you're wearing that. It's for other people in the room Mm. to know that they are seen. Mm. Highly relational. Mm. The eye is the window to the soul. Mm. Although this might be a digital eye is the window to the (laughs) digital soul. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, and I appreciate that. And in some ways, the heads-up display goal of being able to be both having information available but also being able to connect with people. I was walking the other day down the sidewalk and there was a woman, she was buried in her phone yeah and i was about six feet from her and i said heads up and yeah. I, it came across really aggressive i didn't mean it to yeah but, yeah yeah but she she was just jarred and she said oh sorry and walked past you know this maybe allows for that experience to change right where she's getting the information but she still has eyes on what's out in front of her well maybe or we see that her eyes aren't paying attention actually that exact example is what i was thinking of when people were saying no one's going to wear this no one mm-hmm. wants a barrier in front of their face i'm like mm-hmm. have you seen people walking around like <laughs> people our attention not yeah. just our eyes we talk about attention a lot yeah. is yeah. on the phone and a lot of people aren't seeing their surroundings mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. it's almost like you don't even need the goggles to block yourself mm-hmm. from the mm-hmm. surroundings right yeah and you're not allowed to use your phone while you're driving Could this solve that? I don't know. But, you know, those sorts of things where information is in line of sight versus moving our eyes away from the things we want to focus on naturally. But the bigger, like, sort of idea that I was working out in my head, and maybe you can help me work it out, was that it's really hard to predict how culture will be formed by a technology. Let me say it that way. And let me do a hard jump from the big culture down to the individual I think it's really hard, in my experience, to predict how certain actions that we take in our lives affect us, our spiritual formation. And Mm -hmm. this is what I mean. When we grew up, a lot of the things that were good for you spiritually, read the scripture, worship, prayer, I think these things are good. But there were certain people that I noticed that always went to worship that also weren't being formed in ways that I would want them to be formed. Or later I would discover that the person that had their hands in the air the most isn't necessarily the person that I think has the most virtue. And let me say this another way. There are features that you would never have noticed that I think have had a really impact on. 10 years later, I'll go, that was a moment. Or 20 years later. One Mm -hmm. of them for me was a mentor that said I should start making my bed. Like really, in my bedroom, like (laughs) I was young, I was in my early 20s. He, I think, saw things about my personality. I was scattered. I was Mm. not showing up on time to things. I'd have a lot of vision and not execute anything. Mm. And he was like, I think you should start making your bed every morning. Mm. I was like, well, we didn't do that growing up. Like, it wasn't a chore that we had. To, we had other things we did, but we didn't make our beds in our house. I hate making my bed. Oh, I know. We've talked about this. Actually. Oh, yeah, I guess we have. We did yeah. enough advice of virtue. Oh, gosh, I forgot. And so now I still make my bed every morning. Mm. I started this habit. It was very hard. I would go back there some mornings I wouldn't want to. And it was like a choice that it only lasted 60 seconds. 
but it required me to make a choice every morning that maybe only I would see, hmm. me and God maybe. And it seems dumb, but it started inculcating a sense of discipline and follow through. And I also sometimes at points in life have added like a prayer to the making of the bed. Hmm. Yeah. That has shaped me, I think, spiritually more than a lot of other things. And maybe that's a big jump. But what I notice now, what I would go back and say, what the one more thing, spiritual discipline moment for me in spiritual mm. formation, probably wasn't like the, I read the book of Joshua in one yeah. sitting. Yeah, yeah, it was yeah. like a little sort of things that were a little bit unnoticed at the time. and didn't seem like a big deal that I've had a big impact later. Well, yeah, you're speaking my language a little bit. I am very much thinking about habits and how our habits form our spiritual lives and absolutely the ways that our technology forms our habits. And so there's this downstream effect from our technology to our spiritual lives, and it takes the path of our habits. And what's interesting in your example is it's something that you engage in as a practice and not something that is done for you, and just the necessity for you to engage in that practice. But it was kicked off by someone challenging you. It sounds like maybe someone whose opinion you respected or trusted Enough to say like, okay, they said this, I don't really get it, but I'll follow through on it for a while and see what happens. And we need those sparks in our lives. And by the grace of God, people who have a vision for that saying, man, I just think making your bed is going to be a really good thing in your life. You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. A vision. <laughs> it was a pro-level vision. It was a amateur <laughs> vision. <laughs> And yeah, as I think about tech in general, we often think, what can I do with this device? And I think for me, the most valuable question is, who do I become with this device? Yeah. And that is a habit question. And so as I think about Apple Vision Pro, these interfaces that we've talked about, and I think about how it's made our interactions with computers more natural in the same way that ChatGPT is making our interaction with computers more natural through natural language. Exactly. Right? We almost got away with an episode without mentioning ChatGPT, oh, but we didn't. We, don't, we, we didn't. almost did. I'm sorry. I apologize. <laughs> That's fine. But we talked about the norming norms of our human embodiment. Like we have these bodies that just demand different ways of being than what computers have been providing. And I think with the pinch zoom on the iPhone and eye tracking and selecting, it's it's moving us towards a more humane engagement with computers, the natural language as well. Does that allow me to be more human in the process? Potentially so. And for that reason, it deserves a little bit of praise, I think. Okay, Adam, it's the time for vice or virtue. <laughs> Skiing. <laughs> oh, man. So I broke my collarbone snowboarding in 2007. Oh, wow. Same year. So, yeah, I was... That, oh, man, man, that, that iPhone was... could have saved you. <laughs> the Jesus phone uh, almost was... The Jesus phone could have saved people me. people called it that. Yeah, yeah, I do remember that. You broke your collarbone. I broke my collarbone, and... I actually do think that might have been the last time. I might have gone skiing once since then. But do you uh, own ski goggles? Have you ever owned ski goggles? I do own ski goggles. <laughs> yes. I don't know exactly where they are. They're but about I to become really big right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But man, I do I enjoy skiing? There's definitely some enjoyment to it, but man, it's been so long since I've done it that I would feel very nervous about like, my own abilities. <laughs> Like a mom trying to use ChatGPT. <laughs> I, I don't know. It's just not natural. Yeah, obviously a vice. It hurt me. So I grew up in tropical climates. We, we went snorkeling. Mm. We like lived at the beach. Snow was a thing that I did not have until college when yeah, I went to wow. University of Illinois. And I was one of those guys that like, oh, wait, man. I'm supposed to have a coat that's thicker than an inch. <laughs> and so I get that. I'm part of my Christian ministry in college. We love to do big trips. And at one point they announced, we're going on a ski trip. Mm. And they announced it. And I was already done with being a student. I was actually staff, okay. ministry staff at the university ministry and church. And so I went up being a leader of a ski trip, even though I've never been <laughs> skiing in my life. So I am leading 50 people on a ski trip. And they're like, we'll just teach you. So I don't even know where we are. Not somewhere like Colorado. It was probably like the Upper Peninsula of Michigan okay. or something. Yeah. And we're in a, a beautiful wooden lodge with fir trees. And I'm thinking mm -hmm. I could just read a book here. But no, we yeah. go out to the slopes and they strap some skis on me. And the first day I do some, I do, I'm proud of myself. Like I, <laughs> I'm doing like 
little the bunny hill and then the easy ones. The, what are the, the easy blue ones? circle the, or the whatever, green or yeah. yeah the green the and the greens. blue. But the next day, my buddy Nick was like, "You really need to go snowboarding because this is where it's mm. at." I'm like, "Okay, Snowboard. I'll do that." So I rent a snowboard, and he's a good snowboarder. So he takes me out, teaches me, and I do pretty well at the beginning of the day too. I'm like. Dang, I am good at this stuff. I am like, oh, I guess I shouldn't have been in tropical climates all my life until I got to uh, when he left. And, and then I tried to go down one hill and took an all out, full on, like destruction, yeah. Olympic level dive with multiple flips. <laughs> oh, man. And I'm a focused person. So I got back up and tried it again, took another dive. I Ooh. think your muscles start getting weak. I don't know. I came home with the level of bruises that looked like someone had taken purple paint and painted it all down my oh, thigh, man. just like solid purple. <laughs> I couldn't move for the rest of the ski trip. I did stay in the lodge wow. for the rest of the time. Yeah. I have sworn off skiing. Really? Someone I've never done it again. Yes, we're not taking a device and virtue ski trip anytime soon. Absolutely not. You know what? But I will do it if the Vision Pro has a virtual ski. Ooh. <laughs> For the Vision Pro virtual ski experience, I will go virtue. <laughs> well, if you've been listening, you know we have a new voicemail feature. It affords you the opportunity to leave us voicemail 90 seconds. Do share us your thoughts about skiing, about ski goggles, about Apple Vision Pro, anything we talked about on this episode, we would love to feature it in a future episode. You can tap the link right in your show notes. It should jump you across to our website where you can literally hit record on your phone. So we'd love to hear your voice. You don't even have to download an app. It's that easy. Follow us on Instagram or Twitter while we're still there. <laughs> <laughs> and we apologize for the 10 years from now when someone will bring up this episode and realize that we are both super hecka wrong. <laughs> They'll pull it up in their Apple Vision Pro headset. This episode was brought to you in part by United We Pray. United We Pray is a podcast devoted to praying and thinking about racial strife, especially between Christians. Come join us in praying for the unity of God's people.